0: Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday and welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service. We gather together every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., both online and in person. Now, speaking of in person, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Now, look, we believe that online is, is a valid way to connect with the church And that's why we have an online small group, so that people can connect in in a more direct way, in in a more intimate way, uh, even when they're online. That being said, there are things we cannot replicate. In person, we are going to have an Easter egg hunt for the kids in the church. Now, you might think, well, that's for the kids. I'm an adult. Let me tell you, the most fun you could have is After church, basically we get the service done, and then the adults bust out Easter eggs and hide them all over the sanctuary. It is a blast. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt. We're going to have church together. We're going to celebrate the victory of Jesus over sin and death and our salvation through his resurrection work. And then we're going to have some fun with the kids. I haven't found a way to do an Easter egg hunt online. There are things that cannot be replicated. They can only be in person. We will gather together and pray, We will gather together and worship. We will gather together and celebrate. So that is next Sunday morning, Easter Sunday. Now this Friday, at Faith on Hill, we are going to have a Good Friday service. You are welcome to come and gather with us at uh, <clears throat> excuse me, at 7 p.m. this Friday. Good Friday service at Faith on Hill. Um, and then throughout this week, as we have done for the last several years, during Holy Week, we will have um, content posted every day uh, kind of reminding us of what Jesus has done and what he was up to that day and just some thoughts and, and, and kind of devotional content uh, extra during Holy Week. So we are excited for Holy Week. It begins today with Palm Sunday. Ends next Sunday uh, on Easter and we will gather together Good Friday at 7 p.m. and then Easter Sunday at 10 30 a.m. with extra content online throughout the week. We are in the Gospel of John this morning. We will be in chapter 12. So if you have a Bible and you don't know where that is, that's all right. There's a table of contents at the beginning. John chapter 12. Well, John chapter 12 in verse 12 says, the next day the great crowd had come for the festival and had heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, what what is that? The next day from what? Well, the night before in the town of Bethany, which was about two miles away from Jerusalem, Jesus was anointed uh, by a woman uh, blessing him, worshiping him. He has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And now this great crowd that is traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover, starting to hear about this. That just in the last few days, that Jesus, this preacher from the Galilee, who some think is the Messiah, had raised someone from the dead and had been anointed with oil in a public setting. And now he is on his way to Jerusalem. And it says that they took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Of course, the word Hosanna is an expression meaning save. Save us. Save now. It's an exclamation of praise, which is kind of an interesting thing because it's a request. Save us. But it's also an exclamation of praise. You have the ability to do this. You can win. And then, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were quoting Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, speaking of the Messiah. They were saying, save us. We believe you are the one who was prophesied. Blessed is he, the king of Israel. Word had gotten around. Jesus was of the line of David. Jesus, they're saying, hey, we think he's the Messiah. He shows the power of God. He knows the scriptures more than anyone we've ever seen, and he is of the line of David. We are acknowledging him publicly. In verse 14, it says that Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Now, the other gospels give us a little more information about the specifics, but the main point is that Jesus sat on this donkey as it is written, verse 15, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And here, John the Apostle quotes from Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9 says you will see the king coming, riding on the foal of a donkey. The other Gospels tell us that this was a young donkey that had never been ridden before. When it says, don't be afraid, daughter Zion. Zion, as you may know, is another name for Jerusalem. So the prophet is saying, don't be afraid, Jerusalem. See, your king is coming. And here John is saying, hey, this is fulfilling this. What's interesting, though, is in verse 16, John says that at first, Jesus' disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these things that had to be done to him. Can I pause our Palm Sunday thoughts for a moment? if you you are normally with us and and going through the Bible with us on Sunday mornings, you know that we're in the book of Revelation right now, dealing with prophecy and future events. And you might think, man, there's, there's some things that just aren't clear. That's okay. There are things that were not clear to the disciples until after Jesus's death and resurrection. There are things in Bible prophecy we will not be clear on until after Jesus's second coming. That's fine. I'm just going to focus on the things that we are clear on. And what we are clear on is that Jesus, who all through the Gospels, up until this point, has minimized himself because his time was not ready. He's healed people. He's taught the scriptures. He's proclaimed the coming of the kingdom. He's called followers to himself. And yet, he would heal somebody and he'd say, go and do what is right have yourself examined by the priests, but don't tell anybody that I did this. My time's not yet. There were, there were multiple times where they tried to make him their king, and he slipped away. He said, it's not my time. But now, in this moment, it is his time, and he accepts their acknowledgement of him as their king. Now, it was this moment. It says, verse 17, that the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So Jesus is coming. Jesus is entering. Jesus is receiving their acknowledgement, but there are people who are preaching as well, going through the crowd. This is the man who raised Someone from the dead. This is the one that you have heard of who has performed miracles. This is the one who came into the temple and cleansed it and has preached there. And he is coming into Jerusalem. Verse 18 says that many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, which is raising Lazarus from the dead, went out to meet him. The Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere what is, all of their plots, all of their attempts to discredit him. And they say, look how the whole world has gone after him. Now, I want to say this. We live in a moment of uncertainty when it comes to Christianity in America. We do. We do. Every year, there is a new Pew survey on religious life in America, and every year we read church attendance is declining. Every year we see that secularization increases. Every year we see that our country gives itself over to sin. Now somebody might say, Adam, aren't you always the one that says we've always been sinful? That there has never really been a Christian America? That there's always been a people who needed God? Yes. And at the same time, two things can be true at once. Two things can be true at once. You remember in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said to the church in Sardis, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. I believe that is true. I've read enough history, and I know how people are when we had, quote-unquote, and if you're only listening to the audio version, you may not see me doing the air quotes, but I am, when we had, quote-unquote, Christian America in the good times when America believed the Bible, we were a sinful people that rejected God that needed a Savior. In Christian America, we enslaved people. In Christian America, we drove the Native Americans off their land. In Christian America, we made treaties and broke treaties. In Christian America, we took our own citizens of Japanese descent and imprisoned them. In Christian America, we were sinful. In 1776, the average American drank about five shots of liquor a day, on average. We have always needed Jesus. We have always had a substance abuse problem. We have always had a greed problem. We have always had an immorality problem. Always. At the same time, there's no denying that things that, even if they were done in secret, publicly would have been no-gos are now okay, are now permitted. Things that the Bible calls evil are now called good. I'm not going to deny that, Things that the Bible calls evil are now called good. When I read in the Old Testament about nations and tribes that sacrifice to their children, I see certain analogies to today in how we sacrifice our children to the sins of the parents. The primary demographic of Faith on Hill is educators, followed secondly by first responders. Our church knows About the ways that parents sacrifice their children through neglect, through abuse, through substance abuse, through addiction. Why am I painting this downer picture? Because you could see in Jesus' day, the people of Israel were oppressed, they were occupied, they were ruled by a foreign dictator. And then comes along this guy who looks like he could be the Messiah. In fact, Peter, you know, he found out about Jesus because his brother came and said, hey, I think we might have found the Messiah. He kind of looks like it might be. And people started to believe. But at every step when you think, is this going to be the time when he, he does something? He doesn't. Is this going to be the time where he moves? He stays still. Is this going to be the time where he goes and takes the hill? He goes the opposite way because it wasn't his time yet. And now here he is moving. And you might think, oh, well, here he is. He's going to move. He's going to do his thing. He's, he's going to go and, and take the city. But we know what happens on Good Friday. We know what happens. The the Pharisees are like, ah, this is getting us nowhere. The whole world is following him. And within just a few days, the crowd, instead of saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, says, crucify him, crucify him. And even if they weren't the same people, where were these people? Those who said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, save us now. Blessed is the king of Israel. Where were they when their king was taken? work that God does is not dependent on how you or I feel. For three years, they have felt a certain amount of disappointment because Jesus hasn't done what they've wanted. And then he finally comes and he does what they want and they are elated. But in a few days, he will be arrested, publicly tried and publicly executed. Jesus's victory has nothing to do with how we feel. Jesus' victory has nothing to do with the circumstances. Jesus' victory has everything to do with who he is, his death, his resurrection, his saving work. One of the challenges for us as Americans is that we like new things. We like big experiences. We We like to feel like we're on top because that's how we see ourselves in the world. But what if in your spiritual life, you are before Palm Sunday, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and why isn't God moving? Why isn't God working yet? And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and it hasn't happened. That doesn't change what happened on Palm Sunday. What if in your spiritual life, you've had your Palm Sunday moment, you've had your big feeling of triumph and victory, and then... Holy Week happens. And it doesn't go the way that you think. And the night's dark. And it seems like everything's lost. It doesn't change Easter Sunday. What I'm saying is is that if we base our faith off of experience, it will be nothing but peak and valley, up and down. You will have a bipolar faith. And I do not mean to say that in any way detrimentally to my friends, my brothers and sisters, my fellow believers in Jesus who suffer from things like bipolar or manic depressive. There are many great, godly, Jesus-loving women and men who suffer and who struggle with their mental health. But if that's you, then you understand better than anyone the need to have consistency. And there are people whose faith is nothing but up and down, up and down, instead of just saying, I know who Jesus is, and I know what Jesus has done, and I know what Jesus will do. Jesus came at that moment because it was the moment for him to reveal himself. The people in Bethany who had anointed him with oil the night before, that woman knew who he was. The people who saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead knew who he was. The people who saw Jesus heal and feed the 5,000 and who traveled and who gave up everything, they knew who he was. The faithful women who did not abandon him but were there when he was on the cross who went to the tomb Their consistency is the model for us who believe. What about those who don't believe? Let me say this. It's up to you to make your decision. There are plenty of people who have said, oh, I believe in Jesus, blessed is the king. Yeah, I believe that. And then disappear when the hard thing comes. There are plenty of people who have had some sort of religious experience like on Palm Sunday. And then when Jesus is arrested, they're nowhere to be seen. For those of us who believe, the call is to a consistent faith. We rejoice at the right moments. Easter Sunday is a Sunday to rejoice. But to not have endless peaks and valleys, but to just say, we will be consistently faithful in the same direction. That's obedience. For those who don't believe, the invitation is here. Jesus was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses after he rose from the dead. And it is their testimony that we proclaim that Jesus Christ died and rose again. That Jesus Christ died and rose again to save people from their sins, to save people from the judgment that our sins deserve, to save us from the wickedness and the judgment that that wickedness is bringing upon this world. These people weren't wrong. Jesus fulfilled all of the identifiers for who the Messiah would be. Born of the people of Israel, born of the line of David. There's even an argument, and I don't hang my whole faith on this, but there's an argument that the very day Jesus showed up in Jerusalem riding this donkey was a fulfillment of Daniel chapter 9. Jesus died, and I believe Jesus rose again. And in that work, in that moment, in that death, it says in the Bible that God placed the sins of the whole world, all who ever have lived are living or ever will live, on Jesus. And Jesus' sacrifice was counted as worthy. Don't be afraid. See your king is coming. This is the moment to say, I'm not afraid. I see the king and I want to follow him. I see the king and I want his healing. I see the king and I want to be in his kingdom. If you aren't a believer, if you don't know if your sins are forgiven, you say, I know I've got sins. I don't know if they're forgiven. I know there's a God, but I don't know if I'm in his kingdom. I know that, that I, Jesus is real, and I don't know if I have him. Then, friends, the invitation to reach out in faith, to respond, and to say, I want what Jesus has. I'm not, you know, the standard American thing is I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to repeat it and then you repeat it as if they're magic words and then you're told, oh, you're saved now. Wherever you are at, if this is you, just talk to God as if he was right in front of you and say what's on your heart and ask him what you want to ask him. Confess what you need to confess. Tell him what you believe. Ask him to help you in your weakness, and then tell everybody you can about it. Jesus came on Palm Sunday. Throughout this next week that we remember called Holy Week, Jesus healed, Jesus taught, Jesus cleansed, and he was rejected. And even in that moment of rejection, he was saving those very people who were spitting on him, beating him, because he loves the whole world. I'll just leave you with this, the most well-known verse in the Bible. Because God loves the world so much, he gave Jesus, his only son, so that whoever believes in Jesus will not die eternally, but will have everlasting life. And it is that promise that we hold to, it is that promise that causes us to celebrate on Palm Sunday, on Easter Sunday, on every Sunday, Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, Jesus saves, Hosanna indeed. Blessed is Jesus, the King of Israel. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday, hopefully in person for Easter Sunday. We'll see you this Friday for Good Friday Remembrances, and we will have online content throughout the week for Holy Week. If you prayed, if you sought God this morning, would you tell somebody? you can tell me. My email is adam at faithonhill.com. God bless you. May you see Jesus in your life this week.